FM Breakfast Show with the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. It is the Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. Special welcome to all of our listeners this morning. You're listening on 87.6, or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. And a special welcome, of course, the Double L team is back together with Lawson here, uh, hobbling along on one foot. Yep. Uh, yes, but we also want to welcome our listeners from Caloundra in Queensland, listening on 88.0, Gunnedah in New South Wales on 87.6, or New Norfolk in Tasmania, also on 87.6 this morning. Shout out Gunnedah, I've been there before. I've been to New Norfolk before, I've been to Gunnedah, I've mm. been to all three of these places. Wow. Caloundra. Okay, I haven't been there. Wait, where's New Norfolk? I haven't been there either. It's uh, north of Hobart. Okay. Up the river. That makes sense. Why yes. I haven't been there. Yes. How are you doing this morning, Lyle? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm, really? I'm enjoying life. Uh, everything is well. My legs work, which is just absolutely <laughs> amazing. Up. I didn't know it was going. I can, I can walk. I can run. I can jump. I can play basketball if I want to. I can do all of these things, which is absolutely it's you know what? I'm really happy for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm, glad I'm that glad, you're doing I'm well. You, I'm glad you're happy for me. I, <laughs> I just appreciate it so much. It's it's just so good. How are you doing, Lawson? I look. I am really appreciative of all the messages that I got yesterday from people who were reaching out from the breakfast show and wishing me well. I'll talk a little bit about my injury in the good news section, uh, but. Yeah, thank you guys for reaching out, and, and I really, really felt the love. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we're about to get into positively different news. Before we do, we have another clue for our quiz. All right, clue for the quiz. In the book of Daniel, the ram with two horns represented which kingdom? I'm giving a Bible study on this tonight. There you go. So, so I, this is I definitely know the answer. And maybe you do too. If you do, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And if you call and text that number and answer correctly, you'll go into the draw to win our KJV Amazing Epic Leather Bible, which we will give to you absolutely for free. This is an expensive Bible full of like study helps and all kinds of amazing things. It is great to have a good Bible to read through, to study through, like a all-in-one. Oh, dude, my Bible is really on the edge right now. Like, it is very close to falling apart and coming unbound. And so I'm in the thought now of like, okay, I have to get another preaching Bible. I need to find the right one. Hey, maybe you're looking for a Bible right now. Maybe you're looking for a Bible for someone else. 0491 is the number to call or text, and you can win this one. But let me read that question one more time. In the book of Daniel, the ram with two horns represents which kingdom there you go mm-hmm. all right if you know the answer zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. text message coming through here welcome back lawson you are the man oh come on guys. yeah there you go it's a bit of encouragement <laughs> for lawson this morning uh now i just do have to ask this question uh-huh. we're going to talk about this injury we have to talk about we have to address the elephant in the room uh-huh. we have to address the ankle in the room anyway uh-huh. Uh-huh. um <laughs> Is this? Are we going to talk about this during positively different news? No, let's or, talk about it now. Or more serious. Let's news? talk about it now because okay, I think so I think the outcome. We should. I think, I think the should. outcome's good. So essentially, what, I, I'm glad we're talking about this in positively different news. I enjoy your pain. What has <laughs> what has taken place is that I have over I would say the last month and a half, two months, 
as I've been playing basketball, I've been regularly doing your ankle. Yeah, I've been like rolling it, and it has prompted me to go out and buy better shoes, to do ankle exercises, like isometric training, all these kinds of things. Because I'm, you know, I'm like really into basketball right now. I really want to get better at playing basketball, but also don't want to hurt my ankle. But then, you know, I'll do a week of, you know, stretching and whatnot. And I'm like, yeah, my ankle's good to go. And then I'll go out and play. And so last week it was like towards the end of the game, I rolled my ankle pretty bad. And it was actually kind of awkward because I rolled my ankle while I was guarding this girl from behind. And then I fell on top of her and I felt really bad and i was like sorry about that um this time literally we had probably had like three turnovers so we'd run up and down the field like three times and i've stepped on the back of someone's shoe oh and rolled my ankle oh. again so someone i'm trying to defend from behind and i stepped on their shoe and rolled my ankle uh while i was running and basically i this time when i rolled it i like it was excruciatingly painful. Like you did a I, good job. I felt like sick in my stomach. Whenever I get like really hurt, yes, I I have this like Nauseous. queasy feeling, and I yes. I felt sick in my stomach, and I'm like, oh, that's not good. Yep. And I hobble off the field, and I sit down, and take my shoe off, and I've got like serious pain. And then I try to get up and walk, and I can't. I can't walk. Oh, I'm, you're done. I'm like, oh no. And so then, like, the people had seen that the people playing had seen that I'd done this. And they're like, you're good. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, yeah, I'm right. And then they had, I was just like sitting there, like, kind of just feeling my ankle and feeling what the deal is. And it's so painful. And then they'd come off and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, I, I don't think so <laughs> and then so they helped me they carried me to my car i got in my car and i was able to still drive and i'll tell i'll talk about the injury a little bit um that why i can still drive i was able to still drive i called up my friend and i was like i know that they had an ankle injury i'm like hey can i come over and grab some crutches and they were like what's wrong and i'm like oh i rolled my ankle and now i can't walk and then they've called our physio friend and so we all met at their place. They had a look at my ankle. The physio had a look at my ankle. And he's like, Lawson, this is pretty serious. You should go to hospital and get x-rays. And I was like, okay. So I did my x-rays. And essentially, this is what happened. I have had, uh, I think they call it an, um, it, it's an avulsion. They call it an avulsion. And essentially, that is where, so as a young person, my tendons in my ankle are really strong. But I've rolled. Evolution sounds like the opposite of an evolution. Sure. Um, there's ten, <laughs> the tendons in my ankle are really strong. And so, but what I've done is I've rolled them and I've stretched them because mm. they, they won't snap. But as I've stretched them, because I've put like extreme pressure on them, it's pulled a bit of bone off. Ouch. It's pulled a bit of bone off. Ouch, now, ouch, ouch, be, they can ouch. tell this because in my x-ray, there's no obvious fractures on the bone that is painful. They can't see like a big crack down the middle, but they can see that the surface of the bone is no longer smooth. Like the there is like kind of dents and divots in it. So they've gone, okay, you've done an avulsion. And, you know, there's also some like cortical stuff, which they're like worried about on the other side of my ankle. Uh, but essentially... Uh, I have, well, at the time I couldn't weight bear. Now I can bear a little bit of weight. I'm getting around in a moon boot and a single crutch because the, cause what they've seen is that if there's no obvious fracture, they're like, the more you move, 
the quicker it'll heal. Yeah, obviously, you've got to keep the circulation going. Obviously, to a point, you know, like you did. You don't want to just go out and continue to play basketball because that's been my problem. But like, yeah, if you just move around, then then you'll be fine. And I was like, sweet. So like, that's actually good news because I could have like some. It could be a lot worse than it that. It could be a big fracture or something, and I can say like I was just up this morning putting a little bit of weight on it. Essentially, like I can take you know, a couple steps, I can put some weight on it with, without the boot. Um, but as soon as I try to get into a rhythm of walking, it is pain. So let me recommend hydrotherapy. Oh, dude, it, yeah. will amazing, cold, it will do amazing. It will do amazing to your ankle and its healing process. So, Lawson, the thing that I have to say is this. I do think that after <laughs> the slew of industries in injuries that you have had <laughs> over the last month, it is probably time for you at your age to start considering a new sport to take up, and I would like to recommend chess. Chess isn't a sport; <laughs> it's a game. I'm going to say it. I'm going to. That doesn't. I'm not. That's not disrespectful. <laughs> no, I was actually thinking about. I've got. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about getting into cycling actually because it's so low impact. You know, you can just go out and ride. But the problem is, the thing that I loved about basketball so much is that I would play it at uni with a bunch of uni the students. Community. That's right, and and but that community specifically ties into the work that I'm doing there now. Like at uni, I go and I give Bible studies on campus all day and there are multiple people a part of our basketball group who i'm giving bible studies to who i met through playing basketball Lawson, you need to reach out to the local chess club at uni but, I, oh, but this is these people need to hear the gospel and this will not cause you to roll your ankle yeah but at the same time as saying that i am Terrible at chess. <laughs> I, I am like, like okay, I. But when you started out at basketball, <laughs> how were you at basketball when you started? Like I was bad, and I'm still kind of bad. <laughs> like, like actually, no, I'm still getting better because I, I practice a lot. But um, yeah, I think I don't know. There's just something. This you know, there's nothing that's sparking joy in my heart in playing chess. Now there might be amazing chess players out there. I watch like chess YouTube videos. I'm like, wow, these guys are incredibly smart and they know what's going on also like people who do rubik's cube as well uh, they're like you know memorize all the algorithms of what turns they need to do and what not to i'm like that's incredible but that's just not me i was having lots of fun on the court <laughs> and and look i i reckon i'll probably have the moon boot off in i don't know maybe a, a week a week and a half from now I, i'm pretty confident i'm already starting to weight bear and it's essentially there might be complications in the healing that mean i need to take put it on for longer but they're like hey an avulsion like you're young enough that the bone will start reattaching super quickly and you know once once like the bone is good and the tendons start kind of you know fixing themselves and i'll be doing rehab and whatnot so and it's also going to be free shout out to my physio friend joe maybe, maybe you should get into archery just you know Oh, shooting use, things. Use your arms instead of your legs, your, your ankles. Yeah, but, oh, that's like that's sad, Lyle. Like basketball, because my two favorite sports <laughs> is like basketball and volleyball. They're like my go to. Both of those are going to wreck your ankles. Volleyball's a little bit better because you're staying a lot more in place than like yes. running up and down the field. But I definitely am aiming to get back to that. Like if I can, because this is the thing. It's just like I just push my ankle too hard. It's like, okay, got my moon boot on. It's serious recovery. But I should get to the point where my ankle is okay. I believe you do, it. You could do. I believe it. By could, the power of prayer. Could you do the wheelchair version. Oh, true. That would actually be super fun. They do do basketball in wheelchair, yeah, right? Yeah, it's yeah, Olympic sport. 
Yeah, there you go. Grab yourself a wheelchair, get into it. Get out amongst them. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You're listening to We Are Messengers with Image of God here on The Breakfast Show this morning. Let's have another question for our clue before we get into some more serious news. Those were messengers. We are radio hosts. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. And right now we have another clue for the quiz. In Mark 10.34, four things are foretold of the... Wait, hold on. on. In Mark 10.34, four things are foretold of things the chief priests and the scribes shall do after they condemn him to death, and they shall deliver him up to the Gentiles. Name as many of the four as you can... For a point for each, without looking it up, unless you haven't read Mark before. So, essentially, the chief priests and scribes, they're going to do a bunch of things to Jesus yes. after they condemn him to death. Yes. And, and that is described in Mark 10.34. If you know that verse, then you will know some of those things. The more answers you get correct, the more points you get. Now, The more, we, the more times your name goes in the hat. Yeah, that's right. Okay. The more the more you get entries into the quiz. Now, we hope, uh, we know that some of you have read this. Some of you are biblically astute and you can try and remember, test your brain, test your knowledge. I don't know what that verse is. <laughs> if not, then, hey, we give you license to go to the Bible and do some research. If you're not a regular church attender, so if you don't t- attend church every week, go to the Bible, do some research. But again, that verse was Mark 10.34. What did the chief priests and the scribes do to Jesus? What are they going to do to Jesus after they condemn him to death? All right, if you know the answers, the number is 0491-064-669. See how many of those answers you can get in and how many names, how many times you can get in the hat to mm. win this week's prize, which is an absolutely amazing, fantastic mm. Mark Finley study Bible. In the United States, nearly 2 million students have left the public school system since 2020, a new report has just oh, wow. found. So that's in basically two years, you've had a million students a year leaving the public school system, which kind of leans towards that whole thing of go work, go broke. Uh, COVID-19 led to a lot of students being educated online. That led Mm. to the growth of homeschooling because there were a number of parents who recognised, you know what, we can do this. Mm. Uh, This is not going to be the end of the world. It it did encourage uh, movement towards homeschooling. But the charter school in Rome, enrolment increased from 5% to 7.2%. Private school enrolment increased from 8 to 9.7%, and homeschooling rose from 6 to 6.6%, which resulted in 2 million students leaving the public school system. Mm. That is quite a slide. And if you go back to 12 months ago, there was already 1.4 million uh, students who had left, and so that slide doesn't look like it is stopping anytime soon. Mm. And so this has been uh, driven... But really by three things, RGI, CRT, and uh, BLM, so critical race theory, Black Lives Matter, and radical gender ideology. Mm. You combine all of those things into the school system, and a lot of parents are like, yeah, you know what, we don't want to have a bar of that, Mm. Uh, so we're going to look for alternatives. Probably the biggest one there is the radical gender ideology. Yeah, definitely. Because that is by far the scariest Mm. because of the long-term emotional impact that it has on children, the pandemic of depression and suicide that it is creating. And uh, a lot of parents are just sort of standing up and saying, no, that's it, we've had enough, Mm. and we are 
out of here. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage, you know, students here in Australia, parents and students here in Australia, to consider the same thing. Mm. If you can't afford public, if you can't afford private school education, then consider homeschooling. Mm. There are a lot of people out there today who can homeschool. Homeschooling is infinitely easier than what it was 20 years ago when we were homeschooling, which is infinitely easier than what it was 20 years before that. Mm. Uh, Distance education has become the thing when it comes to universities these days. (laughs) I wonder what percentage of university students are on campus these days compared to doing their course by distance. I really don't know, but it would be a decent percentage. I'm not on campus. I'm studying. Exactly. (laughs) And you've got a campus that's what, literally... 20 minutes from your house? Yeah. If you wanted to be there? If I wanted to be there, I could be. But I decided not to be because I have stuff to do. <laughs> and you can do it in your your schedule, wrap it around your That's right. responsibilities. Correct. Okay, South Carolina Supreme Court says that six church properties that uh, don't have to be returned to the Episcopal Church from a breakaway diocese. Now, this is an interesting story because it makes you wonder what's going to happen in Australia. We recently reported on how that a whole bunch of Anglican churches in Australia broke away, formed their own diocese called the Diocese of the Southern Cross, which is no longer in communion with the Archbishop of Canterbury, which means that it is no longer a part of the Anglican Church. Mm. You've got a similar thing that has taken place in America where you have the breakaway diocese, which is called the Anglican Church in North America. What is the the question is though when a congregation decides we want to break away and we want to form a, we want to be a part of this new denomination what happens to the property mm. you know who's going to own all of the Anglican cathedrals in Sydney and other parts of Australia where they have you know formed this new congregation called the Diocese of the Southern Cross mm. or this yeah new new Anglican denomination. Mm. What, what's actually going to happen to that? I mean, I, I don't know how that would work. Mm. So anyway, there's, it's, of course, ended up in court as the two denominations now try and grasp for every last piece of property that they can get their hands on because of the value of that property. And it's like, okay, all right, you want to keep that property, but really at the end of the day, what are you going to do with it? It's going to be an empty church. Yeah. Yeah, you can sell it and turn it into some cash, but it's just an empty church. Mm. Why not just... Wish them God's blessing and do something to further the cause of God. Why do you have Mm -hmm. to just shred each other over this whole thing? Mm -hmm. But, of course, these dioceses, the Diocese of the Southern Cross, the Anglican Church in North America, are churches and congregations that don't want to slip into oblivion. Mm. So, of course, these splits have been caused, and you find the same with the United Methodist Church, uh, etc., have been caused by the uh, movement towards affirmation and ordination of LGBT plus people, Mm. which these denominations see as being biblically wrong. Ever since these denominations took these stands, their membership has literally fallen off the edge of a cliff Mm. and they have recognised that under current projections, none of these denominations will last past 15 years. Yeah, wow. And so there's a bunch of congregations that are like, you know what, this is a very simple formula. We're out. Mm. You go down this unbiblical path, your church can't last. We're going to be dead and gone in 15 years if we stay with it. So we're just going to pull out and follow a biblical mandate here where we will love and accept but not affirm LGBT plus people. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a difference between those two things. And uh, 
as a result of that, they formed their own denominations. So in April, the Supreme Court ordered the Breakaway Diocese, which is now affiliated with the Anglican Church in North America, to hand back 14 properties. But then last Wednesday, the state's highest court reduced the number of church properties that the diocese must return to the Episcopal Church to eight. Mm. So the question is, how are six of those properties able to be transferred across? Mm. Okay, so what they found was that the state Supreme Court, uh, six parishes had successfully amended their bylaws not to have had their properties held in trust with the national denomination. So these were some very savvy people who recognised that the writing was on the wall, they would be leaving at some particular point, and if they did leave, then they wanted to be able to maintain their church building, and the only way that they were going to do that is if they amended their bylaws, and so they did. As a result, the Episcopal Church could not rightly claim uh, to own their properties under South Carolina law, allowing them to stay with the breakaway Anglican diocese. Mm. Okay, which is an interesting move, and you can see some savvy people that are involved in it. The question is, though, is this healthy? Mm. You know, what's this actually doing to Christianity? The Bible says Babylon is fallen. The church has become confusion. Uh, and the United Methodist Church, it also continues to shred itself as it implodes and disintegrates under the pressure of the LGBT movement. Uh, 31 churches also in North Carolina taking legal action to try and disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church, and they are really struggling right there to be able to do that. And so there's a huge court case there. And, you know, it reminds me of that passage in the Bible where Paul says that, you know, in, where, where is it, in First Corinthians chapter 6, I believe, where Paul talks about don't take these matters to the courts of the secular government. Mm. Be a Christian, sort this out between yourselves in a loving and compassionate way that will have the best outcome for people Mm. and And for for God's work. And for God's work. Mm. That's what we really need to focus on. We shouldn't be trying to force people. We should wish them God's blessing, whatever their choices are. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're about to head to our interview of the day. We've got Jennifer Skews, who's going to join us on the phone here in just a moment. Before we do, time for another question in our quiz. Let's see if you can get your name in the hat with this one. All right. In which city were the disciples first called Christians? Okay. Sim- simply that, 0491-064-669. You know the answer to this if actually you came and heard the last sermon that I preached a couple of weeks ago at the Newcastle Multicultural Church. But also, uh, I'm, I just that just reminded me, I'm preaching again this weekend at the Newcastle Uni Church. So if you're in yes. the Newcastle area... If you want to hear a sermon from a wheelchair, then head along. <laughs> Sermon on crutches. Ah, there you go. I'll be I'll be speaking in Musselbrook. So anyone in the Musselbrook region, if you're listening to, uh, you know, the Stanhope transmitter mm-hmm. that uh, transmits a lot long way up towards Musselbrook there, or if you're listening online, or if you're just travelling through the area, we'd love to have you at Musselbrook. Amazing. But again, that question was: In which city were the disciples first called Christians? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. You will go into the draw to win our incredible Bible that we are giving away—a very high quality expensive, awesome KJV Bible with Mark Finley study helps as well, which are incredibly useful. I, I would say I would say this Bible is the next best thing to owning the book Studying Together by Mark Finley, which is probably one of the greatest soul winning tools 
I think, out there. It just gives you literally every single Bible study you could ever want. This, hey, this has all those Bible studies in the in the front of the Bible. So not only will this enable you to be able to to read the Bible, but also give Bible studies to people, which is something that we should all be doing. But again, that number is 0491-064-669. Well, joining us on the phone right now to talk about emotional health is Jennifer Skews. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be here again this week. Yes. Now, picking up from uh, last week, where does our discussion take us today? Well, we talked about the conscience last week. We started with the conscience and the will. Mm-hmm. And for those who might be didn't listen last week, we talked about the conscience as a physical part of the brain that actually um, makes decisions. It actually activates the brain when we are given um, a task, a problem, something that we have to decide, and we then have to decide what we do, is it right or wrong? So the conscience helps determine whether we're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. And I think most people know deep down when they're doing the wrong thing. There's that Some call it that, that little voice or there's that little prompt in me. So the conscience is our guide, but we, can, we work out we can shut it down, and people who do terrible things, have no conscience, um, and we talked about people born without a conscience. So there was quite a lot that we covered in that area. So it's important that we have the right conscience that we can make good decisions because that is what it uplifts us, it connects us to God, it helps us to look after ourselves and others. Um, so the other part of that was the will. We've got there's two aspects in the brain that are essential and the will is also a physical part of the brain that they can actually measure scientifically. Um, and the will is the part of us that actually can action decisions. Okay, so the will is part of us that actually um, gives us the strength to action the conscience. Okay, okay so, so let me let me just wrap my head around this for a moment. So we've got we've got the conscience, and the conscience is going to direct us in our decision making between right and wrong. Yes. Once that decision is made, then the will activates the the, the body to actually act on that. Okay, all right. So that's that's the will. Yes, it initiates action and it can also, uh, once we make a decision and we've got to deliberately put effort into doing something, if not, people say, I keep procrastinating, I don't action things. Um, but for the will to work, you've got to take action. So the only way you stop procrastinating is, because that's a feeling people have, is to override the feeling and do it anyway. So that's what I get people to do. Pick something to do, even if they don't feel like it, to actually action it, and that's the will in action. But it also the will also restrains our impulses. And this is what we refer to as willpower. So this is the capacity to go, no, that is wrong. I mustn't do that. I mean, a prime example I can think of, and I know this is when I realised more about the will and my decisions, was out shopping. Someone gave me too much change. I walked away. I'm going, hang on, they've given me too much. Now, I went back to that shopkeeper and said, look, you've given me too much change. They were shocked because they said, well, no one ever brings money back. And I... (laughs) Which was, we had a bit of a laugh, and I said, Well, I can't not do that because my conscience tells me that this is your money. And uh, so, and that was where I made the decision 
I hesitated, but then my will actioned it and said, no, take it back. I actioned okay, so your conscience, your conscience, your conscience uh, revealed the fact that you needed to take the money back, that that would be the honest yeah. thing to do. That's it. But then it yeah. was your will that turned your feet around so that you were moving in yeah. the other direction and you, yeah. where you actually decide to action what your conscience had said to do. Absolutely, yeah. And for me, because I've got a strong conscience, I've worked on having a conscience that will tell me right and wrong that if I didn't do that, I would keep going and I would feel bad, my will would, uh, my conscience would um, be active and I would not be comfortable. I knew I'd done the wrong thing. And what I do understand for a shopkeeper, they've got to balance their books at the end of the day. And if they're short on money and they're employed, for some people, it's actually cost their job if uh, money goes missing. Yes. So there yes. was, yeah. So there were things that helped me to action that will and make the right decision. So here's my question then. If there is a conflict between the conscience and the will, so yes. your conscience is telling you to do one thing and your will is refusing to do that, in my mind that would create stress, which uh-huh. could then lead to other emotional problems like depression and anxiety. Would that yes. be a, a, a correct assumption? Well, I, I think it's more of that the struggle is with the conscience more than the will because the will actually actions a conscience. The battle is... Will I take it back? Won't I take it back? If I choose not to, I'm more likely to be depressed and anxious. If I choose to do the right thing, then I use my will to action it. So the will is more functional in what we do. It's an action factor. It's out of that procrastination or out of that mode where we're toing and froing it, you know, what will I do? I could have I had two actions in that particular instance. I could have kept the money and kept going or go back. So my will had to choose what my conscience was telling me to do. Right. Hmm. Now, there's there's a lot of factors that affect both the conscience and the will, and this is to do with the physiology. And one of the things I work with is the body to the brain because if the body's not right, the brain's not right. And I actually did a, um, a postgraduate diploma on the nutritional medicine for mental health because I believe if we don't have good physical health, then the brain isn't healthy and I can't work optimally with someone. Um, and it, it works very well. It's just a few things if you help people to work on, it strengthens the body, but it also strengthens the brain and helps it to work a lot better. Yes. Um, yes. And they've done some interesting studies on, this is on the will, and they found that exercise has a very positive effect on the will. And the study I looked at said those people who chose to exercise regularly showed an overall effort of making good choices that were consistent with their well-being and their health goals. So if oh, you wow. exercise, yeah, you strengthen the will to make the right choice. Okay, so, so if I think about that for a moment, and you know, I don't think of myself for as an example. You know, I, I, I get some free time in my day where I'm, you know, not at my employment or whatever it might be. I've got the yep. choice to do some exercise, yep. do something around the house that needs to be done or yep. sit in front of a screen. Yep. 
if I go out and choose, I mean, at the, probably at the bottom of my list emotionally is exercise because yeah. that's going to be hard work. <laughs> it's going to make me sweat. Um, and it's not going to be anything like as entertaining for my brain as maybe doing something in the shed or mm-hmm. even looking at a screen. And so mm-hmm. my natural in- inclination is to not exercise. It seems to me that making decisions to do things that are lower on our list from an emotional perspective actually strengthens our brain. So in other words, doing things that, we, that aren't, aren't our favourite things to do. Yes. Is, is, is a strengthening yes. a strengthening thing to do. Absolutely. And, I mean, your conscience is going, I know exercise is really good for me and it's the best thing to do. There's part of you that knows that and the conscience is active and then you're juggling to and fro, what will I do? Oh, I'd be so good just to sit and relax and watch the TV and who wants to do housework and uh, who wants to exercise? But you're, you also know the benefits of exercise and if you've been doing that before, the experience it reinforces the positives of exercise. So then you action the will to take yourself out to exercise and it strengthens the will to make better choices. Mm. So it's a, it, we don't see people don't realize what they do, what they eat, what they do, their activities, their um, mental emotional state works together. They're not separate entities. So this is where working as a whole package, a holistic package, is vital for overall health and to have a good life. So um, interestingly, that study was called the Miracle Willpower Cure, which is an interesting title for it. Yeah, wow. um, Yeah, so I get people exercising. And even if it's only... Round the block, 10 minutes, um, do some stretching, get out in the fresh air, the garden, you know, do something that is exercise focused um, and putting a commitment. And that's where the will has to action that commitment and break that pattern of, oh, I'd rather, you know, sit in front of a TV, be a couch potato or whatever you want to call it. So, uh, because that is inviting, the mind wants to do that or the emotions do, as you said. But the mind knows the best thing to do, and we have to follow that. Okay, so learn to do that. Does hmm. this principle apply with other things where we have choices to make and when we make the harder choice, does mm-hmm. that consistently work in our favour to be able to make better choices? So, for example, yeah. when it comes to, you know, I might finish my finish my lunch, for instance, and I've got a choice to, you know, um, just finish off with my sandwich or I can go and have a chocolate um, and I decide not to have that chocolate. Obviously, that's going to be good for my physical health. You know, obviously, you know, moderation and all that kind of stuff. But let's say that I I, I make a a decision there that is going to be good for my physical health. Is that going to be good for my mental health just simply because I made a hard decision? Is this just, I guess, the advantage of making hard decisions? Yes, it strengthens the will. And this is where we have that battle and that's where the conscience and what we know, our beliefs, our values kick in, what we've been taught. Um, and then we have this battle. It's a battle of the mind. And then we have to make a choice what we're going to do with that. Will I have the chocolate or will I go and do visit family or whatever else I was going to do? So, yeah. So if we think about something like, say, for instance, a mountaineer, somebody who's climbing Mount Everest in you and you read those stories of people who have done that, 
And, yeah. you know, those last few thousand feet, they always describe it as a battle with the mind. They don't talk anything like as much about the difficulty of putting one foot in front of the other as much as they talk about their mind staying strong and their mind choosing to put that foot in front of the other. So it's not the aches and the pains and the burning joints and the lack of energy that they record. It is an act of the willpower. So I'm thinking that somebody you know, somebody like a mountaineer that, that chooses to do something that's incredibly uncomfortable, yeah. um, such as climbing Mount Everest, must be somebody who has put into practice building a strong will. Absolutely. And how do they do that? Through exercise. They exercise the will, so they constantly do things that are going to yes. challenge the will to be To do that, they've got to be very physically fit. So they do a lot of exercise, which also strengthens the will, which is that, what that study showed. So they go up that mountain with incredible determination yes. to the point where they can push themselves beyond the physical problems to get to the top. So when it comes to exercise then, we're not just exercising our physical body but we are actually exercising our brain and building a stronger more resilient brain just by walking around the block for instance yes and and doing something and then i get people to do it what we call mindfully where they're going to listen to the birds or look at the flowers in the garden if they live in a built-up area so they're doing things which refreshes the mind they're not just walking they're actually absorbing their environment so there's lots of lots of positives you can do. And then they find even just that is enough to, they get back and they feel more refreshed, they feel better. So, And then that strengthens that will to want to do it again. Yes, yes. Jennifer Skews, we are out of time, but we are always fascinated by the material that you have to share. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.